0: Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al-Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al-Fadi. Okay, well, this is Al-Fadi again. I want to thank you for part two. Uh, or joining us for part two of Let Us Reason. Uh, last week, you probably, if you're listening to it on radio, you've heard our brother Mill uh, making uh, amazing, amazing basically, or sharing with us amazing discoveries concerning the possibility that the um, the, the the start of the history of Muhammad migrating or beginning to uh, emerge as a leader, Uh, Is not really 622, as the Islamic traditions will want us to believe, but it's actually earlier than that, possibly 618. And uh, there are enough evidence in the writings of some Chinese sources and other sources that collaborate the fact that an umpire known as the Tayyi or the Ta'iyin, basically in Arabic, uh, have been founded by a certain Muhammad, and it began to also do expansions of its territory, similar to what we read in the traditional, uh, basically, sources of Islam, except some of the dates are off and also some of the facts are also off. With that in mind, brother, thank you so much for joining us again. And thank you for all the information that you've shared. And I welcome, of course, you continuing uh, you know, to share from the last time you left off, which is the invasion of Samarkand.
1: Yes. So so the last time I spoke to you, we saw two Chinese sources. One was a source that was based on what the Taiyai told the Tang court on a visit to China, and the second one was a reference to the centenary of the founding of the Taiyai from a, a letter from uh, Samarkand to China, so, so the king of Samarkand. So we're going to add to that, um, so this is just the... the the Chinese, for those who can read Chinese, this is the, the, the wording of that text. Um now what's interesting is that those Chinese sources tally very nicely with other sources that's there. It wasn't just in China and Samarkand that had the impression that the Taiye Kingdom had begun in six eighteen. So as far west as Spain also reported that in the Hispanic Chronicle in seven fifty-four. So it says The Saracens rebelled in 618, the seventh year of the Emperor Heraclus and appropriated for themselves Syria, Arabia, and Mesopotamia. So that works exactly with the Chinese sources. There is also another source, the Byzantine Arab Chronicle of 741, relying on the Syriac common source, which we don't have, um, which also says similarly... In the seventh year of the aforesaid ruler, Heraclus, the Saracens in rebellion and hostile to the inhabitants of the provinces of the Romans by stealth rather than by open attacks, incite the neighboring tribes. And it goes on to say it occurred in 618. Now, so the Chinese sources repeatedly tell us the founders of the Taiyai kingdom were Persians, not Arabs. This is another part of the jigsaw. So this is from a Chinese encyclopedia that was completed in 801 AD, the Tongchen. It says, some also say that in the beginning there was a Persian who supposedly had the help of a god in obtaining edged weapons with which he killed people, subsequently calling for all the persons to become his followers. So that's interesting. So that's in competition with the Islamic narrative that says that the the founder of all of this was an Arab.
0: Well, I mean, uh, if I may interject no. something here, Mel, um, yeah. it really makes yep. sense, Makes sense, uh, at least from me, uh, from a forensic standpoint, that now that we're pinpointing the area of Persia and the uh, establishment of a new empire, and yes, maybe it went all the way to Spain and all the way north. I mean, uh, we're not debating uh, territorially what happened because we have evidence that something really basically went through these territories. They were debating the dates and the character who started this whole thing and a redaction to take it back to a different person, a different area. But all that to say, it makes perfect sense why we have the Hadith collectors like Bukhari and Muslim and others, all of them came from Persia. I mean, that should be a yeah. shocker for our Sunni Muslims because that that tells us right there, that there was something vibrant going on in there that prompted all of this to take place.
1: Yeah. Um, and you kind of have to question why they recast the the leader as an Arab rather than a Persian, because it's the Persians who are saying that this guy was an Arab, obviously 150 years later, or even possibly 200 years later. And my suspicion is that maybe it suited them to say that he was an Arab because... They're dependent on millions of Arabs to do all the fighting for them. You know, they're the ones leading everything. The Persians are leading it, but they need the Arabs to um, believe in the cause. They need them to do their, their bidding while they get rich on it. You know? So I think they're, they're, you know, they, they recast the founder to suit their interests. So there was, there was a, f- a financial incentive. Now, The other aspect to to bear in mind is that there are many houses in in Persia, and so so what really happened was an internal conflict within the Persians themselves. The Sassanians had been kicked out, but others had taken over the rule. So that's essentially what happened, rather than it being... Arabs versus Persians. Yeah, good point point. and
0: also I wonder so, Mel uh, at some point maybe we can talk about if you have done a research on that the the reason why we have a split theologically speaking between the Sunni and the Shia as well you know so so you wonder if this has anything to do with that competition that was taking place at that time.
1: Yeah, that's that's an area that um I haven't looked into enough yet. Um that'll probably be there something I will look at. In the future research, the difficulty is is really nailing down when the Sunni Shia divide happened, because again, um, there's an awful lot of redaction going on, so it's incredibly difficult to actually get a handle on when things happened and why. Um, so, the, you know, that's one of the problems with that area. But I, what I would say, um, just on that, is that all of the the different Islamic sects drew. Um, ideas and practices from the same pool from the same well as it were um, it wasn't that different sects were invented over time it was more a case of they took from the 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 larger pool whatever it was that they 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 wanted and formed their own communities um, and so really I think if you were to examine all the different sects and look at their beliefs you'll find a common set of, of ideas there that would probably give you a fair idea of what the beliefs were in the early days. And if you couple that with the numismatic evidence, I think that would be a good way to go in terms of um, really having a peek into what was going on in the 7th century before Islam got fully formed. Wonderful. But, um,
0: wonderful. A- uh, again, I want to thank you, brother. I want to thank everyone for joining us. You're listening to Uh, A live stream of Let Us Reason right now with Brother Mel, but also our podcast Let Us Reason. And the talk here is about who is the real Muhammad. And our Brother Mel laid it out in in an amazing way, even though he has a short time to do so, that there is enough evidence to point us to, once again, northwest of Arabia, northeast of Arabia, to a different person uh, who is a certain Muhammad, supposedly from a different tribe known as the Ta'i tribe. Now, last time, Mel. You made a connection to the pronunciation of Quraish. Could you revisit that one more time?
1: Yes, um, it, 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 I suppose this is open to um, open to discussion. But the 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 word seems to be um, related to the Persian pronunciation of Cyrus, so Quresh. Um and so it right, could be right. that the Quraysh were actually descendants. Of um, Cyrus or people who supported the Cyrus side of things.
0: That's right. Um,
1: and so that's one—that's one possibility. Now, obviously, that's not hundred percent yet, but that's one possible hypothesis in terms of the origin of Quraysh. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence of a group called the Quraysh way down in the Hejaz. That's that right. And, and and let me let me so far.
0: let me support what you're saying because the the word for Cyrus in Arabic is Quraysh. Quraish. So I want people to... Quraish. Quraish. Notice, you know, sometimes it gets lost lost in that pronunciation. And with that in mind, brother, I want to just make a quick comment. Muhammad Rashid, you're starting to get delusional. Sunni Islam is the only true Islam. We're not talking about Sunni Islam or Shia Islam. In fact, we're decimating the argument about even Islam altogether. So you promise you're here to learn, but I'm not seeing that as for now. So I'm going to let our... Top Gun moderators take care of this. If this continues right now, so please calm down and just watch what we're doing and learn from it. That there is no such thing as Sunni or Shia. There is no such thing as a divinely inspired religion called Islam. Thank you. Go ahead, brother.
1: Okay, so the so uh, so we have here in in, in our sources. That she situates in the west of Persia. This is a Chinese source. There was a Persian man herding camels in the mountain uh, Jufen Modina. One day a line man appeared out of nowhere telling him. There's also a black stone with text carved on it. You will become the king if you read and do what the carved text on the black stone tells you. The bit I would like to focus on there is the fact it's it's happening in the west of Persia, not to the west. So... The land of Mesopot- Mesopotamia was part of the Persian Empire at that time. And so the pers- person who the Chinese source identifies, again, is a Persian man. And it, it, it clearly says you will become the king. And the person who was the king in the early part of the 7th century was Eus Ibn Kapisa, alte So that fits in nicely. The Persian then followed the line man's words and did find a large amount of weapons and the black stone with carved texts telling him how to raise an army and rebel against the Persian or Sassanid dynasty. He then claimed himself to be the king and set up a separatist regime in the western part of the Sassanid Empire. So this is a great source. It, it comes from the uh, Tang Shu, which was compiled in 945 AD, but it was using the 651 AD report. From the Taiya invoice. So while on one hand it appears to be quite late because it was using an early source, I believe that is quite reliable. Now obviously there's parts of that which seems to be um, sort of condensed and 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 there's all, you can see the the beginnings of a mythology in the way that account is told. So I, I believe that this story um, is. What happened with Eas just before he became um, the king of the Tayaye, which would have been in 602? So, in the space of 50 years, you can see how it's gone from a story of um, uh, husro asking um, a guy called Eas to retrieve some weapons in a in a weapons dump to a, sort of at the beginnings of a mythology. So, if you imagine. If that's what happens in 50 years, can you imagine what could happen in 100 years or 150 years? So we're seeing how mythologies gradually develop here, even in a source like this. Right. Um,
0: So we have about 11 minutes minutes left to wrap up this part of the podcast. And uh, you're going to talk about alcohol also prohibition. But uh, I want to remind everyone... Please, if you have any questions, uh, put uh, al Sira I mean, uh, I should say, at Syrah International in front of it. And if we didn't address it before the close of the uh, Let Us Reason podcast, we will continue live for at least another five to ten minutes, if mail schedule permits. And we'll see if there is any questions relevant to this topic. Uh, You know, I see one saying, let's debate. Are we debating right now? Is this like (laughs) a debate? We're talking about facts. You want to refute these facts, go and present them, have your own channel, have your own people, and then we'll see what we can do about that. Okay, brother, go ahead.
1: Okay, so again, from the Jiu Tang Shu, compiled in 945, it says, after this initial Persian leader started it off, it says there were 11 Persians who came, and according to their rank as Mushu, were transformed into kings. We don't see any Arabs you know, who were leaders. After this, the masses gradually gave... Their allegiance, and subsequently, Persia was extinguished, and Byzantium, Fulin, which is the Chinese term for it, was crushed. When the original king had died, which we believe is ES, his office passed to the first Mo- Moshu, and now the king was the third Moshu. The royal surname is Tashi. Now, the thing that the Muslims watching have to get have to get their head around is this is not the Chinese saying this. This is not any outsider saying this. This is the people themselves who started this. So the Taiyai are sending invoice and telling the Chinese how it all started. So what you notice is they're not saying Muhammad started this. They're saying it was a Persian who started this. And it's clearly in the vicinity of Persia, so Mesopotamia or Iraq, if you like, is the location where it happened. It wasn't down in, in the Hejaz. So I think that's that's really crucial. Now, uh, there's something else I wanted to mention as well. Um, we also get clues from the caliph's names that were Persian. So for example, if we take this word here, Yazata, this is a Zoro- Zoroastrian word. It's from It's a Um, The the Zoroastrian text is called Avesta. So this word was a a Zoroastrian concept with a wide range of meanings, but generally signifying or used as an epithet of divinity. So it meant worthy of worship or veneration. So essentially, if you can follow me, this word is a Persian word. And look down below. From this word, we get Yazid. And so we have Caliph Yazid the first, Caliph Yazid the second, Caliph Yazid the third, and look at the years. So this is more evidence, I would suggest, that there is a strong Persian um, present presence in the leadership even so early as that. So this really undermines the, the Islamic narrative that there was an Arab who who founded this kingdom, followed by a number of other Arabs. it's it's, it's really a Persian thing. So why are Caliphs not using names that, sorry, I think I've read it wrong. Why are Caliphs not only using names that are Palavi, Middle Persian, but specifically linked to Zoroastrianism? So so there's a double whammy in this. It's not, not just the fact that it indicates they're Persian, but they're using terms or names which are based on Zoroastrian ideas. Right. That, that should sort of raise some red flags there, what is actually going on.
0: Absolutely, you know?
1: absolutely. Um, so, as now we're going to move on to uh, uh, um, another topic, which is the alcohol one. I hope we have enough time here. We have about so the uh, Chinese source.
0: We have about six minutes for you, if that's enough, brother.
1: That should be that should be plenty. So, the Chinese sources um, also call into question when exactly alcohol became prohibited. Was it really during Muhammad's time, as the Hadith suggests? So, what do we have? We have. We have various different verses in the Quran which which show a kind of a development on the issue of alcohol. And then we have um there are various hadiths that refer to Umar, the contemporary of Muhammad, who um was a heavy drinker, um and and there are hadiths which talk about Muhammad um prohibiting alcohol. Is he he, first of all, um, said, well, you know, it's not the best thing to be drinking, but okay. But then later, it was more a case of you shouldn't drink alcohol. And this is supposed to have happened in the early part of the 7th century. Now, if there are Muslims watching, um, tell me if I'm wrong. Is uh, is that a fair um, depiction of the Hadiths? Do you believe that Muhammad banned alcohol in the early part of the 7th century? It would be interesting before Move on, whether they think that is the case.
0: Well, I can tell you the Quran has uh, three different occasions for banning the hadith gradually. And that's really a solid case for the proof of abrogation, which many Muslims these days deny, because it allowed it uh, in certain places. Then it prohibited inside the mosque then prohibited completely, uh, basically. And in the words of Zakir Nayak, uh, may God bless his heart. He'll tell you this is an example of the wisdom of Allah. But anyway... Uh, so uh, they, they definitely uh, cannot really get outside of what the Qur'an says and the Hadith collaborates.
1: Okay. So what I'm going to suggest, actually, and there's really strong evidence for this, that, that alcohol wasn't banned yet in the 7th century. It was allowed. And the caliphs um, drank alcohol. They drank wine. And uh, it was really in the early part of the 8th century that um umar the second was the person who decided to ban alcohol at during a time when um the the Arabs and the Persians were increasingly become more uh um what's the word more religious and uh, they wanted to kind of stand on that moral high ground by banning alcohol. they were also in a stage of iconoclasm so they were banning images at that time as well so it appears to be that this really started in the the early part of the eighth century, which would make it roughly a hundred years after it was supposed to have happened. So here is the evidence. So in july seven hundred sixteen we have um an envoy that goes to um China and this is recorded in the Seifu Yuan Gi. Okay, and this is the record that they put into into their record, uh, the record they put into their book on that visit from the Tayaye. it says received invoice presenting golden silk woven robe, jewelry decorated with jade, and a luxurious wine cup. Sefu Yuan tribute from the king of Dashi named He Mimo Ni, which I believe is um, it means Amir Muminin. Right. So there you have it. Why. Why would the Tayyayi, if they're Muslims and they know that the Quran has banned it, supposedly, and the Hadiths are saying that Muhammad had banned it, why are they giving a wine cup? Um, Which obviously suggests that they think there's nothing wrong with drinking wine if they're giving that as a gift. Um, That really calls into question um, what really went on in the early days. And what's interesting is, it was during the reign of Caliph, uh, this was during the reign of Caliph Suleiman, 715, 717, whereas Umar II was the one who banned it. Right. Okay, so Umar II was straight after that time frame. Um, so you're talking post 717. Um, interestingly, Hadid reports that Umar I used to be a heavy drinker but gave it up. Is this a redaction? I would suggest that actually what's really happened, this is solid evidence of the process of redaction that was happening in the 8th century. Events that were contemporary were being projected back to the time of Muhammad in order to to make the the narrative clean. So there's no messiness. They wanted to get rid of all the messiness. They didn't want um, people to, to know that the Caliphs were actually quite happy to drink alcohol right up to that time. And so they're changing the the history. So, you know, I sometimes get accused of revisionism, but the way I look at it, that is revisionism. You know, if you if you know that they you know their wine cups were being given in 7, 6, 6, 716 and then later you write hadiths that says, No, 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 um alcohol was banned way back in the early parts of the 7th century, that's a clear example of revisionism.
0: That's right. That's right. So, Well, that's you know. great, brother. Uh, we're going to wrap up uh, this podcast, but please stay with us because we want to uh, have you on the air for at least uh, five to ten minutes, if you can, to see if there is any questions to yeah, interact absolutely. with. And also, we want to make some announcements. But thank you, everyone, of course, for joining us here. This is part two of the podcast, Let Us Reason. However... This is also live right now on our YouTube channel, Sierra International, and also on our Facebook page, alfadi.sira. Brother, what is your YouTube channel real quickly?
1: Uh, my YouTube channel is Sneakers Corner. Really Sneakers
0: easy. Corner. Sneakers yeah. Corner. Nope. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, you can always go and learn even more in-depth about these topics, which we plan on having uh, our brother here uh, do an entire series with us. Uh, we don't know yet if he can manage to fly over or at least we'll have him over Zoom. Either way, we want to do an entire series, but you can watch also his interactions with Dr. J. Smith. With that in mind, I want to thank all of you who've been following us also on uh, the uh, podcast. And hopefully you found this particular episode or series to be interesting. Thank you so much as always. And for those of you who are watching us, play, uh, please stay tuned. We will continue right now. Thank you. This is Al Fadi. Over and out. God bless.